Chapter Fifty of Just As I Am. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Just As I Am by Mary Elizabeth Braden. Chapter Fifty there was no thought of fair play then a delicious sense of restfulness came over dulcie's heart and mind after the evening of her betrothal the never-to-be-forgotten evening which gave a new color to her life new courage and hopefulness to her soul she was content to trust herself utterly to arthur Helaman's care and guidance to lean upon his strength as against a rock and to lay down her burden of fears and difficulties at his feet knowing that he was strong enough to carry the load as a footsore mother crawling dejectedly on the highway faint under the weight of a fretful child feels new life in her limbs when she has transferred her burden to the stronger arms of her husband so dulcie having given up her load of care and doubt was able to contemplate the journey of life under a new and brighter aspect it was an unspeakable relief for her to know that her father had confided his dark secret to a spiritual adviser that he had not gone on to the bitter end hardening his heart unpenitent unconfessed he had not shrunk from the self-humiliation involved in such a confession he had not been too proud to own sinfulness to a fellow-creature her first thought even in that thrilling moment when she confessed her love for arthur hellamond had been of her father she had told him that he should always hold the first place in her heart and she had been nobly faithful to that promise and now happy in the love of a man whose nature seemed to her higher broader and grander than morton's she could but remember the struggle it cost her to give up her first lover and how in her despair she had believed that no ray of happiness could ever fall across her future life she had obeyed her father blindly uncomplainingly and lo she had her reward in a more romantic more exalted love in the devotion of a lover who seemed to her a king among men arthur she said to him one day a little while after they were engaged looking shyly up at the tall figure and handsome head i can't help thinking that agamemnon must have been like you she fancied he would feel complimented my dearest he replied smiling at her enthusiasm 
I should be sorry to resemble such a doubtful character. Perhaps I ought to have taken my comparison from the Bible, and said you were like Saul. Not much better, dear love. Those old heroes are infinitely picturesque, but neither history nor tradition can show us many examples of real beauty of character before Christ came to teach men the divinity of love, the grandeur of a just hatred, the splendor of a great vengeance, shine out grandly in the Old Testament. But charity is a flower of later growth. On the evening of her betrothal, Dulcie went straight from her lover's arms to her father's study she wanted to hear from his own lips that he approved her choice to see a new look of repose and even happiness in his face she went quietly in and found him seated in a thoughtful attitude by his writing desk the lamp throwing its light upon his books and leaving his face in the deepest shadow Dulcie drew softly to his side and knelt by his chair, as she had so often done in the days before a sense of severance had arisen between them. Father, my beloved father, I am so happy, and I have come to tell you of my happiness. I cannot believe that it is real till I am sure that you approve that you are content he clasped her in his arms and held her to his breast for some moments without a word my dearest i am more than content i am happier than i ever hoped to be on this side of the grave o oh, dulcie i thought my sin had blighted your life and now to hear from those dear lips that you are happy that the future is not all dark to you this is indeed comfort it is the brightest page in the book of a darkened life dulcie a life which your love alone has solaced dear father your life will be lengthened please god by our love and care for you will let arthur her voice trembled a little as she pronounced her lover's name you will let arthur be like a son to you he shall be as dear as ever a son was to a father if he make my darling happy but my days are numbered little one i would not have you cherish in a vain hope god has been very good to me he has allowed me to see my beloved child's future life lying before her like a fair open country i can afford to part from her on the threshold of happiness no 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 she cried sobbing as she clung to him with despairing love there can be no happiness for me without you dulcie if you knew how weary i am of life what a heavy burden my remorse has been to carry 
through all the long years you have lightened it love you have lightened the load but it has been heavy and i am so tired that i can think of the grave as a pleasant place to rest and i can hope yes dulcie i have taught myself to hope for peaceful days in a world beyond the grave where my darling's face may shine upon me like an angel's dulcie there has been a gulf between us of late was it because you had discovered the one black spot in my life not because i loved you less she cried eagerly i loved you all the more after i guessed your sad secret because i pitied you so much and i know all about my poor mother her unhappiness in not loving you as she ought to have done and how cruelly you were wronged by the friend of your youth dearest father believe me i have never loved you less thank god i fancied i had lost my dulcie's love that could never be and now there is little more to be done before i shall have laid down my load i have written to morton blake oh father why have you done that because before i leave england for the last time i want to have all things settled between him and me she tightened her arms about him as if to hold him back from some danger but the risk the fear that he might she faltered might do what hand me over to the law i will risk that dulcie i do not think he would bring shame upon you my poor pet or that even his revenge would ask for the brief remnant of a broken life he has hinted at my guilt in this room in this room and in your presence he shall hear the whole story hark was that the bell yes perhaps it is he dulcie listened with fast-beating heart the doors at fairview were too substantial for her to hear more than a faint murmur of voices in the hall then scroop opened the study door and ushered in mr blake morton looked grave and anxious but that vindictive light which had once sparkled in his eyes when he speculated upon sir everard's guilt had gone out for ever he held out his hand to dulcie and their hands met for the first time since she had sat beside his sick bed i'm about to leave england for ever morton said sir everard quietly and before closing the book of my life for i shall have done with all interest in the world when i leave this place i want you to learn the truth about your father and me do not trouble yourself answered morton with a gloomy look i think i know about as much as you can tell me in your tardy desire to be truthful the knowledge has come to me in a fragmentary manner 
and it has made my life miserable six months ago i meant to use that knowledge against you if ever i should have the power to do so but now now perhaps you see that i am dying and are content to let the last sands run out peacefully i would sacrifice much for your daughter's sake said morton with a compassionate glance at dulcie do not you think we might as well spare her the pain of this conversation i know all morton i was in the next room when poor mrs green told you about my mother your own words when you were ill and perhaps half delirious told me what you suspected do not mind me i know all that can be known and i shall never love my father less because he has been one of the most miserable of men not by his own fault alone remember the sins of others have fallen heavily upon him yes morton my pleading angel has spoken the truth i was sinned against as well as sinning i loved your father once as truly as one man can love another with all my heart and mind and strength thinking him the truest friend man ever had admiring and respecting in him all the qualities i knew to be wanting in myself animal spirits enterprise a genial nature a broad love of mankind i loved him and he perverted the heart of my wife i trusted him and he crept into my paradise and made it hell he lied to me as only the seducer of women can lie he blighted my life as he blighted the life of the woman he pretended to love a noble love would have spared her a false and selfish love wrecked her and betrayed me do you want to hear the history of that fatal day when i went out in the morning to meet your father swearing to myself that before nightfall one of us two should be lying in the dust resolved that the sun should not set upon us both living men sir everard had risen stood with his back to the hearth by which he had spent so many lonely hours his arms folded on his breast dulcie stood beside him one hand resting on his shoulder as if even by the light touched she would assure him of her loving sympathy i met your father surrounded with his friends but false as he was he could not face me with the old familiar smile perhaps he expected that i should let loose my passion then and there and make myself a spectacle for the men who knew him and me and who may have guessed something of our relations 
if this were his idea he was disappointed i held my peace all day a long slow day during which he and i were often riding near each other i was bidding my time meaning always to overtake him on the road home and settle the reckoning between us somehow i had no deliberate plan of vengeance but i meant to punish him i was as willing to fling away my own life as i was determined to try for his i had not thought of murder but i wanted the life which by every law of honour it was mine to claim the days of duelling were past you will say perhaps i answer no the right of a man against his friend who had betrayed him against the traitor who had corrupted his wife can never cease while the word honour has any meaning in the minds of men he paused for a few moments exhausted by the passion which with he had spoken those last words but neither of his listeners broke the silence and he went on presently in lower and more deliberate tones i overtook him in the twilight a little way from the pollard oak beneath which he was found i led my horse for some distance after i passed the cross roads and i stopped on the way to pluck a stake out of a hedge a heavy murderous-looking stake with a sharply pointed end vargas's counsel hit the right nail on the head when he tried to show a distinction between a blow from a cudgel and from a stake when i had proved myself with this weapon i mounted my horse and rode sharply after your father who was walking his horse lazily along in front of me you must have meant to murder him when you tore up that stake said morton i meant to kill him fairly or foully it was for him to choose the manner of his death i overtook him and reined my horse up at his side there was no need for me to repeat our conversation he lied to me though thick and thin at first as i suppose men always do in such cases when he found i was not to be hoodwinked he turned sullen and defied me told me that my wife had been sold to be an innocent sacrifice that there was less guilt in her loving him than in her pretending to love me told me that he should go on loving her as long as his heart beat that he would never give her up that i might as well try for a divorce at once he had made up his mind to take her away from me would he go over to belgium with me to-night and meet me to-morrow at blankenburg no ten thousand times no 
he would give me nothing but legal satisfaction a divorce was the only way out of our difficulty he had the audacity to speak to me in his old manner as if we had been friends without a cloud between us look this thing in the face everard he said be reasonable we have both made a mess of our lives but other people are to blame for it there is only one way out of it you are wrong i cried there is another way and i caught him by the collar and swung him round in the saddle then the devil got hold of us both and we fought like devils but my rage was stronger than his he would have compromised matters and thought himself happy with my cast-off wife i wanted nothing but revenge do you mean to kill me he gasped when i struck him across the head with the stake yes that is just what i mean i told him he struck at my face with the cane of his hunting whip but i caught it and twisted it out of his hand then i had him at my mercy reeling in his saddle ghastly white with a slow rivulet of blood trickling down his face unarmed helpless then and for the first time i felt myself a murderer there was no thought of fair play then no thought of life against life i wanted only to kill him i thirsted for his blood i struck him on the head for the second time with all the might of my arm he dropped sideways off his horse and the animal galloped away through blatch marden wood i dismounted and knelt by your father's side and laid my hand upon his breast waiting for what i had no expectation of finding some sign that life was not extinct he was quite dead that last blow had been fatal i dragged him to the ditch and lay him there among the weeds and rushes and then mounted my horse jumped the hedge and rode off across country god knows where as if satan had been hunting me three or four hours of purposeless riding and then i went home in time to hear my wife accuse me of her lover's murder and to see her die loving him and hating me that martin blake is the history of my crime if you want a life for a life you have but to denounce me the evidence you have pieced together may be strong enough to hang me in spite of all that has gone before no answered morton after a pause i shall not denounce you six months ago i felt so strongly upon this matter that i should have been capable of the most desperate step i would have sacrificed my own happiness dulcie's even 
to avenge my father's death but i have learnt to think differently he too was a sinner his sin bore its bitter fruit i shall never lament him less never feel less execration for the crime and cut short his life but his murderer's death on the gallows would not make his last rest more peaceful his hope of pardon and heaven more secure you are safe sir everard from any future pursuit of mine but you had better do something to silence vargas's daughter who has gone back to america broken-hearted because she could not clear her father's name from the stain of a crime he never committed i will do whatever i may be in my power to do for her answered sir everard quietly good night dulcie said morton gently pressing his old love's icy hand come what may i shall always think of you with affection and so he left them alone together father and daughter no gulf between them now reunited united in spirit for ever by perfect confidence and love end of chapter fifty recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c